SAFM leading the conversation. The viewpoint, eight to ten p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Founder and chairperson of the Institute of Election Management Services in Africa, Mr. Teddy Zelani, is on the line now to talk to us about the regulation versus self-regulation of social media in a democracy. Of course, since 2015, 65 of 185 countries had either blocked or restricted access to social media. Recently, some 15 countries on the continent restricted access to social media during elections. We all know what happened in Uganda. These restrictions have raised questions about the efficacy of self-regulation of social media in a democracy. Can, then, these restrictions of social media be justifiable under certain conditions, or is it... Or is this an affront totally of basic human rights of citizens, one of access to information, two rights and freedoms related to expression and whatever comes from that? Some of these questions are important and Mr. Zalani will be on the show this evening then to engage on that. Mr. Zalani then, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome again to SAFM. Good evening to you and to SAFM listeners. Imsa, what is its general view in relation to this trend of the restrictions or total blockouts in relation to social media, particularly in societies where a universal right of adult suffrage is about to be exercised? Well, let me put it in, uh, into its context. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, today's platform, basically, we had created it in order to be able to uh, exchange views with uh, different practitioners in this field uh, so that we really get their opinions in relation to the subject to find out from them uh, how they view this issue uh, but from our side as um, imsa uh, we have always believed that uh, it is important that uh, uh, social media uh, is allowed to enable people to express their opinion and to exchange views and therefore um, we felt that uh, as a result of all these things that are happening uh, in many countries, you mentioned earlier on uh, Uganda, but Myanmar as well as recent as yesterday, they had also blocked uh, or restricted internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it is some of those things that we thought, uh, let's try to get an opinion of practitioners and find out from them uh, whether they believe uh, uh, social media should actually be restricted and under certain circumstances uh, or um, whether there should actually be self-regulation. Off the bat and off the cuff, what might you imagine to be the concerns of these host governments or institutions that might sponsor the blackout and or the restrictions around social media? Everybody might probably understand the inherent dangers to social media, but at an institutional and systemic level, perhaps the concern might be a little bit more benign than that. What, if you have a view on that, would be such a concern around social media? Well, to a extent, I think it's ideological. Uh, the majority of those governments uh, or the parties that are in power uh, feel that uh, social media is basically being uh, abused um, largely because the opinions that are being expressed are opinions uh, that are not in line with uh, 
uh, the ruling parties or governments uh, want to hear. Uh, so it is really an excuse mm. uh, to ensure that uh, uh, people do not have access to alternative information. Because as you know, that uh, the majority of countries, especially those uh, countries that uh, are not completely democratic, uh, they have basically uh, taken the, uh, the state uh, media uh, to become their mouthpieces. And therefore, social media allows an outlet for opinion that are different from what is normally uh, peddled. Uh, by those uh, uh, governments. Now, uh, because uh, social media has become so powerful and the majority of people through their access are beginning to take uh, social media seriously and rely on social media, uh, governments that do not want alternative opinions to be expressed um, feel that this is a threat, but they use it uh, they use the issue of abuse of social media as an excuse to basically suppress uh, dissent. Of course, what whatever happened in the 2016 election in the United States and the alleged involvement of the Russians can only embolden that sort of thinking in relation to the dangers that are then inherent in social media and how it can even become, to that extent, a national security and sovereignty issue. It is a very important aspect. In fact, it's one of the issues that we've been interrogating, uh, particularly because we are now working towards having a summit uh, looking at democracy elections, um, artificial intelligence and big data, how Mm -hmm. big data has been manipulated uh, to basically create a particular uh, opinion. Uh, We all know about uh, how uh, Cambridge Analytica Mm. Uh, played a role in terms of influencing the elections in the U.S. in 2016 and uh, subsequent to that, uh, the Brexit. So it becomes important, therefore, that uh, we find mechanisms through which uh, we can be able to manage that particular process so that even where there is regulation by social media platform, it is something that is understood and it is transparent and people understand exactly what it is. I mean, the case in point, for instance, is the issue uh, which we raised today around uh, the restriction uh, or blocking of Donald Trump by Twitter. Mm. Um, you know, so that also raises a very important uh, a, a question in a democracy whether, um, you know, a, a, a restricting and, and then uh, basically completely uh, uh, deregistering a person's Twitter account, it's actually a be consistent, whether, whether it can be regarded as being consistent uh, with uh, the ethos expressed in a democracy such as, uh, you know, freedom of expression. You know, I, I don't propose to discuss what's going to happen in November 2021, where your institution itself, IMSA, in partnership with Nelson Mandela Foundation, University of Joburg, Chik um, Kultir, Human Sciences Research Council, the Civic Tech Innovation Network, where you're hosting an international summit on democracy, elections, big data, and artificial intelligence. But it, it, it has to be. I mean, forget the Chinas and the Russias of the world and even the Ugandas of the world. A nation has got to be able 
to control not the thinking of its community or population, but certainly the information that is circulating within its jurisdiction. National security, national intelligence, the manipulation of big data and how it can ultimately result in absurdities for that particular community. Forget the fact that it's all about entrenching oneself in power, but purely on national interest basis, there is a strong case that I imagine would come out in the November 2021 discussions that you will have for how governments, if they do not keep in check what is happening on the social media platforms and the like, they will not be running a government. They'll be running people who so happened to be actually run and remotely so from elsewhere. It's a very interesting uh, debate. Um uh, because there are, there are many people who feel uh, that uh, governments are using uh, the issues of social security as an excuse to basically suppress dissent. And then therefore, the, uh, the summit that we will have in November, uh, we look into this issue, interrogate it properly so that uh, we find maybe some kind of a transparent way of managing a process. Because if it is a unilateral thing, where a government feels that uh, an expression of an opinion different from what they would want to hear uh, is basically an abuse of social media and a threat to state security, then that in itself is very problematic. So, you know, these are some of the issues that have got to be looked into uh, to see uh, what are the kind of the mechanism that can be put in place, what are the transparent and accountable uh, ways of making sure that uh, social media platforms are still able to provide platforms for people to express an opinion that is different without necessarily uh, threatening state security. Because most of the time, mm. uh, it is not really about state security, uh, because uh, the opinions that people express have got absolutely nothing to do with state security. Uh, but uh, most of the time deals with, uh, you know, what people feel has mm-hmm. got to happen mm-hmm. in their societies, sure. and governments then use that as, a, as, a, as an excuse. Mm. But citizens do rank within the group of being citizens. Donald Trump now is a citizen of America, but he is a former president. At the time at which his Twitter account was suspended, he was a sitting president, and, well... The fact that Congress in the United States even had to have a debate as to a potential second impeachment in relation to what happened on January 6th and how he was masterful behind all of that. Here, locally, the leader, not even of the official opposition, was able to say to his, open close quote, fighters, fighters attack, and suddenly clicks had to close business 48 hours, in, 48 hours after that tweet went out. So there are citizens in communities who command influence, who have the potential to subvert, if you like, the security forces to create and cause instability in a given community. I've mentioned two examples. There are many more from where that comes, but that has got to be something that cannot be left unchecked. Absolutely. But then uh, let's uh, juxtapose that with uh, what happened in Uganda, where a leader of official opposition um, was completely... his access to social media was completely blocked, uh, largely because uh, the government uh, in Uganda felt that uh, having or allowing that particular person, uh, or Bobby Wine in mm. particular, uh, uh, allowing him access uh, to people and to be able to communicate to people uh, would actually influence people uh, to vote in a particular manner. So 
uh, it's a controversial issue. It's got to be looked into in different ways because the example that we've just given uh, of someone saying uh, attack, uh, it could have easily come uh, from uh, mainstream media, uh, but it was going to be coming with its own interpretation uh, because they would be reporting it as uh, a tropical issue to say so-and-so said uh, attack, and then uh, it is still uh, gets reported. Why don't we get it from the person who actually said it, and that person must be accountable for the things that he says. If that leads to a particular consequence, then that particular person must be prepared to carry the consequences of his uh, utterances. Okay, let's move on. There is use for social media. There is use from economic development in relation to how big data and artificial intelligence, for the right reasons, in the right hands, can unblock a lot of institutional blockages, for instance. How, for instance, access to information can be channeled and propelled for how industries and commerce and particularly big business can use it for targeting their products to where ultimately their targets are required. We know how healthcare, and particularly in COVID times, can be made better or more efficient in its rollout through effective use of social media and information that is generated there. Again, artificial intelligence and big data. So the balancing is always going to be fine. The critical question is always what becomes that fine line where then no crossing is permitted. Absolutely. I mean, that's why uh, this debate uh, uh, is it's so important uh, because uh, we've got to now uh, try to find um, a framework uh, uh, which is agreed to by the society to say uh, now that uh, there is an, an inevitability of uh, uh, social media and social media has got all these positive elements, uh, how can we then begin to develop a framework uh, that is actually going to be enhancing its capability instead of actually uh, uh, you know, exposing more of its uh, uh, weaknesses. Because, uh, like you've correctly uh, pointed out, I mean, the current environment uh, is different from what we used to, how we used to live in the past. And therefore, there is a lot of reliance uh, on social media. And uh, social media is playing a positive role, uh, but we've got to try to deal with some of unintended consequences uh, of social media or those aspects that are regarded as uh, negative. But it can be something that is decided on unilaterally uh, by those who are in power. It is something that has got to be decided on by the societies through uh, 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 civil society, through uh, various organizations that are operating in that space uh, to say this is how we would like to regulate ourselves, this is how uh, we would like to create ethics around social media and make sure that everybody uh, complies with it. Let's take a quick call. Tabang, you've just made it. Tabang in Rustenburg, your call to Mr. Terry Zalani, chairperson of IMSA. Okay. Tabang? Yeah, I'm listening. Uh, my, my conversation is like, can I talk? Tabang, please go ahead. Okay. I want to speak about this relationship. I got relationships with people, and this relationship became a relationship from another level. I'm connecting with other people, and I love people, you know. 
is original. Yes. And this emotion keep on giving me chances to pick to to talk to people. And people like to talk to me, but they feel like they are afraid to talk to me. Tavang, let's move know. on. Tavang, yeah. let's move on. I beg your pardon for that, Mr. Teddy Zalana. I don't know where this was going to go, and I don't really want to find out either. I beg your pardon as well for that interruption. But l- let me just bring the conversation closer to home. To what extent do you anticipate the work of the information regulator together with the IEC, together with IMSA and other bodies that are ultimately charged with the sanctity of elections and the sanctity of democratic institutions to be able to continue their oversight and support function of a democracy, democratic institutions, and the relationship between the state and its citizens. How do you see, particularly from an information regulation perspective, this work of this institution being challenged and or compromised in the light of big data and artificial intelligence and related engineering? There is an important uh, point that uh, Advocate Spencer raised today in uh, our conversation. And she was basically advocating for uh, core regulation. So uh, basically a mechanism uh, being developed uh, by uh, civil society organizations uh, as well as uh, government uh, institutions such as uh, uh, the information regulator, uh, where there is an agreement about a basic framework and, uh, and issues that have got to be developed in relation to uh, information dissemination. So uh, my view is that uh, we've got to begin to explore this issue uh, much further and see as to whether there is merit in basically pre- uh, creating a mechanism through which we can all agree on how to uh, regulate or deal with uh, social media. Social media, back to where we started. Social media, for the most part, it was always intended, and I think you raised that point, to allow the ordinary person to express what he or she ordinarily thinks. Of course, it has since been hijacked by nefarious people with nefarious reasons. For instance, you mentioned Cambridge Analytica. So let's talk to us very briefly. As we build towards November 2021, what are you hoping in the context of these seminars that are going to be taking place as the build-up goes to uncover so that it may culminate in the November 2021 Dialogue and Summit? Well, we're hoping that uh, this basically will culminate in uh, some kind of... uh, uh, a framework that can then be developed by us to make sure that uh, the abuse of social media uh, is curtailed, but at the same time uh, not allowing a situation where those who are in power uh, are in turn given a latitude to basically abuse social media in turn. You know, So if we can be able to find a mechanism through which we can create uh, accountability uh, and allow a framework uh, where there is uh, ethical conduct by those who are using social media and finding a way of identifying whether it is fake news or information that is detrimental and that information being uh, kept at a time when uh, it is uh, just, you know, it has not actually uh, created any confusion within the society. I think that, in my opinion, uh, would be uh, would be would be wonderful. Uh, you may be aware that uh, ahead of 2019, uh, people like William Byrd um, had actually created uh, some kind of a forum 
uh, and an and app uh, together with the Electoral Commission uh, where they could actually identify uh, fake news and, uh, you know, uh, deal with fake news uh, before it could actually, you know, spread within the society. So essentially we, we, we hope in that uh, because of the proliferation of uh, mm-hmm. uh, fake news and and, and also uh, instances of where uh, social media is used to abuse um, the platform as well as certain rights, uh, we can then be able to create a proper framework within which uh, we can be able to deal with those issues because before they become a serious problem. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to November 2021. No pressure and you can say no. Will SAFM be the media partner for the summit in November 2021? You can say no. No, 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 no. We, 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 we regard SAFM as an important platform, and therefore we will definitely want to have them as our partner, and we'll be working with them. There are already processes that we have put in place uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, SAFM uh, is part of our partnership going forward because we believe that... Uh, you provide a very important platform. Fantastic. I respond to that by saying that I did hear you say no, no, no four times before you gave that response. <laughs> Go figure what that might mean. Thank you so much, sir, for your time. Thank you so much, sir, and to your listeners. Excellent.